Welcome back. After a long hiatus, we are once again podcasting with the old crew. We got Aaron Thayer. Hello. Doug Bonham. This is my favorite podcast on Silicon Sasquatch. What a ringing endorsement. And we also have Tyler Martin. Way to sound enthusiastic. Trying to steal a joke. Yeah, it was a Mass Effect 2 joke, too. But oh, yeah. <laughs> Bam. Citadel joke. So, if you haven't figured it out, we're talking about uh, Mass Effect 2 today. Because uh, some of us here won't shut the hell up about it, and others of us are just, you know, think it's worth discussing. And others so, of us are finally right. Right, Nick? No comment. <laughs> I'm actually uh, going to be playing some Dragon Age this weekend. I don't know what you're talking if about. If you haven't finished Mass Effect 2, I highly suggest you do not listen to this episode, since we're going to be spoiling Spoiler warning. this game. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to hear all sorts of things. Like, you, if you haven't played the game, stop now, because we'll talk about things like how Shepard is actually Shepard's father, and uh, he was actually, raised by Elcor. Yeah, and, and real, actually Jack Shepard from Lost. He's actually a woman, mm-hmm. unless you're playing as a woman, and then he's actually a man. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, I just figured that you already had that joke covered the other way around, so ignore me. God, remember that part on the ice planet where you had to crawl inside of Grunt to stay alive? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was rad. And I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Oh, Hi-o. Krogan jokes. All right. Um, let's go. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, I think we're going to cover this game from beginning to end. And since this game has one of the best openings in any story-driven game I've played, this, it also has one of the best scenes of any game. Podcast until you play the game. Uh, how about we start with the ending? It sounds like as good a place as any, uh, since the beginning doesn't really involve too much and you don't even really get to make any decisions about Shepard until after you play through the, the intro that's true I, although I wonder if what happens during the beginning changes based on your crew preferences in the first game the only thing that changes is who's ever coming down into the ba- basement of the Normandy to get you right yeah okay. your love interest right so in my game it was Liara I played it twice so Mine I too. both Liara and Ashley Never Kaiden, because I hate Kaiden, and I killed them in every single one of my playthroughs, even when I was a chick. Now, <laughs> so if we're talking about the ending, what were your guys' decisions? In terms of the end of the game, or the end of the first game? Well, yeah, the end of the second game. Well, let's talk about the... Okay, yeah, why don't you guys go first, because I actually replayed my first playthrough to get a different ending. Uh, what, what do you want to know? Like, well, Obviously, if you played it twice, I mean, did you go Renegade for the second? Did you actually take control of the... Um, the Reaper technology. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty similar technology. to uh, Mass Effect 1. There's not a whole lot of time to react to what you're doing. You're just making a choice, and that's going to be a decision you see more of in the second, in the next sequel. Uh, the only thing I see is that when you are when you go Paragon, uh, your team all commends you on your decision. Like, yeah, I think that was a great idea. That elusive man seems like he's super corrupt. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you decide yeah. to go with the elusive man, just give him the base, uh, everyone's like, well... I don't know if that was the best call, but I trust your judgment, Shepard. <laughs> Shepard, bro, I mean, that and wasn't really a good idea. I'm wondering how that will play out in the third game, especially, because I haven't done that situation For anyone yet, that doesn't mind spoilers through. that is listening I was to interested. this, uh, the end of the game faces you with a decision whether or not you want to use the Reaper technology that you acquire through the end of the game as a means of fighting the Reapers later on, or if you just want to destroy the base outright. After fighting a giant human Reaper Terminator baby hybrid thing, which is filled with ten thousand or so dead people, turned into genetic, yeah. genetic paste. It, Seriously, so, yeah. like I, I, I was listening to a um, semi-spoiler cast 
with um, it was a four guys one up edition a couple weeks ago, and they had John Davison from GamePro and formerly of uh, Zip Davison one up on there, and his reaction is the same that I had. It was like, this is what they've been building, really? <laughs> like they've been doing something mysterious the entire game. It's making a giant fucking Terminator. They're rebuilding the Contra boss. Well, what I <laughs> oh god, yeah. What I was curious to nerd out about the whole background thing. What was the line? I can't remember who said that or where the information came from that the Reapers take on the form of whatever species they dominate or they want to. So were they trying to become human? They kind of made it seem that way, but were the last species that they killed giant octopus-looking things? I mean, I think what they're they... trying to say is, well, I think like, yeah, I didn't uh, get that. Take on the like genetic material of whomever is the strongest to challenge them. They mentioned that they wanted to make a, like a Prothean uh, Reaper, but as for whatever reason, it failed. And couldn't work, so they yeah, made the collectors. They're making the human ones because the humans are the most uh, adept race since you challenge them. I think it makes more sense to think that right. because Shepard successfully killed a Reaper, which is supposedly something that's amazing and has probably never been done before, like they really do revere you at the same time as they hate you. It's like you you are extremely impressive. Mm-hmm. And uh, two things that two things I've been thinking about with this, and one of them just came into my head. The first, I think I talked to somebody in this podcast about it at one point before, but it's that um, the humans haven't really been on the galactic map, so to speak, for very long. Like the generation before Shepard's generation is the, like Captain Anderson is the one that's that fought when they no, first found other him. bases out there. No, it was before him. because Ashley talks about her grandfather fighting in the uh, the War of Shaanxi. Well, I think the uh, I think Captain Anderson apparently fought in the, the uh, Are you sure first about contact because he war. was like one of the first uh, humans involved in what like, I heard the, it the somewhere council and like one of the Spectre candidates and yada yada yada. Well. Well, I don't have my Mass Effect novelizations <laughs> handy, so I can't really. Re- regardless, this species hasn't been yeah, around. Yeah, it's only been about a hundred years, years since it's, uh, humans it's first appropriate. made contact. And given the time frames of how long, you know, even the Protheans have supposedly been around in this universe that they've created, 10,000, 50,000 has been created by Bioware. Some fifty thousand, fifty thousand. Yeah. Protheans went bye bye, and so you can assume that the Reapers, if they are existing as they've been laid out to. Have, you know, coming in waves every fifty thousand years or so, that that's a long time, and this is a very small. Bioware just tosses so out be, those numbers. It makes sense that they're interested. As in if it. it means anything to us. Like yeah. fifty thousand years ago. Oh yeah, sure. There was this like crazy advanced spacefaring race. It was the same thing with. It's yeah, like it Star Wars time. Like, what, like <laughs> the other thing I thought of before the, pre- the movies. Um, excuse me, four thousand. That makes a lot more sense why like, the technology is not involved at all of. in the Star Wars universe. Yep. <laughs> what were you going to say, Doug? The other thing I thought of is is um I think in a lot of the cinematics they've shown you know these fleets of Reaper ships as um, mm-hmm. that final cinematic or whatever. I think that might be like kind of a mentality imposing sort of thing. Like I don't think all of those ships are going to look like that. If they've been assimilating technology from different cultures, for that's a long what time. really bugged me was that they all look the same. Yeah, but that's look like them. It looked like a copy and paste. Just oh my god, look at all of these reapers! I think coming. that could well be intentional. As in, like, if you think this is what a reaper looks like, this is what a billion reapers look like. They all look the same. I think we're going to be in for. A it really shot makes they me don't wonder though. Like uh, they've I'm, portrayed the reapers as such a threat. Have they corner. painted themselves in a corner? Like. If the Reapers do have an all-out war with the mm-hmm. with our galaxy, like, do we really stand a much of a chance, like Shepard notwithstanding? 
Well, with that final last little uh, scene at the very end of the game, it makes it look like, wow, that there's no point. What's Shepard going to do? But that's or interesting to see how they're going to... Citadel gonna... Fleet to take, them to take one down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do to make it viable for... Um, so be, beyond turning Shepard even more into mm-hmm. Neo from the Matrix, like it'd be interesting to see how they're going to fucking do this. With that, with that in mind, then how do we feel about overall the ending? Were we satisfied with the way? Uh, because the question I've been wondering myself is, do we think Mass Effect Two is great as it is that it will stand apart from the other games, or will it only be really good when we can sit it um, between? One and three. I think and context the makes a complete. huge difference in Mass I'm, Effect. I'm conflicted about this. <laughs> I'd like to hear Nick, since he started out not really being the most uh, prevalent fan at the beginning. I thought it sucked. I, they changed everything about Mass Effect One that I knew, maybe not that I loved, but I guess I just wasn't really prepared for such a huge shift in how the game is played. Not just in terms of like the, the controls and the physical movement, but like strategy tactics the importance of actually like positioning your teammates and everything and in the end i love how the game played i really did it's i couldn't even go back to the first now at this point probably but um i I think that i'm still conflicted about the ending because um i think that the, the concept of consequence and choice in the final mission where you can you know you can have a lot of people die and it can be your fault you can lose half your team if you don't show up on time, which I didn't the first time because I went and collected other stuff thinking, oh, they always say in games, oh, no, you better hurry, and then you have, like, right. however long you want to go do this thing. So you can, it turns out, you can be too late to go get the rest of your crew. I mean, like, the doctor was there and uh, all those Who people. Who died in your but, team? Um, okay. Um, um, well, the first time I played, I uh, I made a stupid decision <laughs> at the part where you have to be escorted through the uh, the swarm. And I, I chose Miranda, who's not for the, the most biotic, biotic shield. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, I, I found out later that that was a dumb choice because she isn't as strong as she thinks she is, and but she's just as strong as she thinks she is. Well, yeah, I know. Well, when you think about and it, your too, character yeah, but had the Asari's better. <laughs> right, the Asari's better and Jack's better. And um, when you think back to the beginning of the mission, when you're in the uh, Normandy planning your attack, uh, Jack calls out Miranda and says, "You know, you can't be leading another squad. No one's going to follow you." And I think that. Just a second. Okay, sorry. Um, I think that um, if you had chosen Miranda to lead the squad, she actually first does leg, pretty you well as a squad leader. You're looking for I don't think but, with uh, leadership experience. Yeah, she works well. Mm-hmm. I know Garrus works well. And Garrus. Garrus is great. Garrus got me through both. But that, the three you can use are Jacob, Garrus, and Miranda for the squad. Jacob, leaders. really? So I anyway, I um. He's too. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> He has no his personality. personality just doesn't strike me as being capable. a leader. He's a god. He's a. He's a goddamn soldier. You know, if he had talked through the entire game like soldier. Uh, no, seriously. <laughs> or he had a T Pain uh, auto tune voice. Okay, we need T Pain DLC. Awesome. For, uh, <laughs> well, if they could put okay. a vocal filter on the Thane character, then they could do that. Really, I just want a T Pain vocal. Did you have more to say, Nick? <laughs> Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think if anybody should have the T Pain vocal tuner, it's what was for far and away the biggest surprise of the game for me, which is oh the god, game. Legion, Legion is such, so yep. fantastic. Did you guys uh, get talk Shepherd to them enough to get some recording of uh, the the first like contact? Yeah, yeah. 
the first uh, no. asking about. Yeah, there's if you talk to Legion enough, you can um, listen to a recording from the first time that a not the first time that a Geth asked. If it has a soul. Was it about emotion? Soul. Uh, but it was the first time that Legion says, the first time that uh, the Quarians were scared the by the like question. what they always refer to them as. And God, yeah. that scene just sent yeah. chills up my spine. I was like, oh God, that would be terrifying. That's the thing that I like most about 2, is they went so much uh, deeper into and added way much way more depth to the whole universe in 2 by going to different homeworlds going to the flotilla to Chanka. I mean, I yeah. seeing all of the different races and how they fleshed them out and using that article I saw the other day talking about how they have a whole bible to refer to. It makes sense because they plot plan this stuff out so well. It really pulled me in further into the universe than like, one did. If you if you put a lot of time into the first game into reading the codexes and doing as much of the dialogue choose as you possibly could to learn about the universe, this game rewards you in spades. Oh yeah, I did that too. I actually didn't pay as much attention to the codex in the second game just because I was so fascinated yeah. by how much of the you know what was established in the first game came to you could actually experience it in this, mm-hmm. and that was I think one of the greatest strengths. Like you were talking about going to Tuchanka and like when you see where Rex is from, it does so much more to develop his character than anything that happens in one save for this confrontation over Meyer. The Mass right. Effect series is that they constantly have this like end of the world crisis that's such a RPG cliche at this point. I, w- I w- would much rather have like a sort of Fallout or Oblivion style where like you don't have impending doom over you, you just have an objective, and I'm free to go about that objective however I see fit. Because I really just want to explore that universe and find out well, more it's... about these different species. Just wait until the MMO gets announced. It'll someday. depend on how well it, uh, <laughs> the old well, I, I... does. What do you mean by um by uh I, I, just to clarify uh like a, a general objective because from Mass Effect two from the moment it starts you know you have to do this suicide mission it's just this thing you have to do you can take your time going there you can go straight they, to they it they never really stress um, that you can take your time is that though. kind it's of like, different it's from Fallout very like we have to do this as soon as possible and your objectives like they're very yeah minimalistic like Fallout uh, from the very beginning when you open the vault mm-hmm. like you know where you can go but. I never really felt like anyone was nagging you to go do that. It seems like your ability to go explore is aided by the suspending of time disbelief thing that a lot of RPGs do, where it's like, oh, you have to go save the world right now, but if you want to go run and do side missions, it's perfectly cool. You're not hard yeah, to right. by that. Take Final Fantasy VII, where there's this giant fucking meteor in the sky. <laughs> and I'm going to go and it can hang there for eons if you take Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get that gold chocobo. I I like too in the sense that it's a giant crescendo all the way from the beginning until the end. I mean, it is clear what you're supposed to be doing. You're going to go on a suicide mission, and the fact that you can die, Shepard can die along with other teammates. Even though if you care about your character and want to play three, you won't let that happen a second time. And so I have a feeling a lot of people playing three won't have dead Shepards. Because that, so how does Shepard die? Is it that like his face doesn't heal and splits apart? And, like, I think it's I, I think it's when I don't know for sure, but I feel like it's when because this is when the achievement popped for me when he jumps to the Normandy off that cliff yeah. and then somebody grabs you. I have a feeling that either if enough people die or maybe they're not loyal to you, not oh. not, not that they would let you drop, but maybe they don't catch you in I'm time even or something like that. Doing a Shepard list playthrough, yeah. depending on how they handle that in Mass Effect Three. 
Yeah, who would be the protagonist then in three? That seems like that so much cool. more work to have. Okay, let's let's think of three. There's a shepherd that survives, can be Paragon or Renegade, so there are already uh, double conversation options going on there. And then if your shepherd didn't survive or you're brand new to the series, there's a whole other character that they're going to have to program and interact with with characters. That just seems like a huge load for even Bioware to do. Regardless, there's regardless, there's a whole clusterfuck of permutations that's going to be have to be dealt with in three because there's so many different right. situations that could play out in, sec- in the second game. Was I the only one who was disappointed not to see Conrad Werner? He's in this on Ilium. He's yeah. in there. Are you serious? Yeah. He's in a bar and he starts causing trouble dressed in in seven recon armor. <laughs> yeah, you in the first oh, game you have him. to either like get to the point where you put a gun in his face and tell him he's not ready or you tell him to go home to his wife and kid. But if you just send him off oh, to do his little like suicide, I island, chose... he actually does die. <laughs> so I... That's what confused me about Conrad in 2, is I was nice to him, considering my shepherd was a paragon in 1 and 2, and then in 2, it's implying that I told him to F off, basically, which I didn't. It's definitely a situation where you see the seams of the cloth that Bioware has been weaving with all your decisions, where they haven't actually taken into account everything you've done. There's only, there's only one other real moment I think in the game that where that sort of thing happens, and that's when you're taking Legion anywhere off world off of the off of the uh, Normandy with you. Yeah, uh, or if you go talk to anybody after you finish the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Save the Anderson doesn't world. care that you just blew up. A, but the only a baby human Reaper thing caveat to that is that if you do take Legion on Tally's loyalty mission, you do get some more dialogue options. Well, yeah, so, but, but not, it's not like the Quarians are the only ones. You, who you are get a small blurb when you enter right the Citadel. But you, you gotta think that like certain. I didn't see it. Uh, I didn't get just, that either. They hold you up at security, I think. For like a. Yeah, really? I, I brought Legion and nothing happened. Well, you gotta think that how many yeah, maybe other just places random. are gonna care? It's like the Krogans are have never been at war at the Geth. I don't think they really give two shits about them one way or the other. Ilium won't care. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Citadel will. I think now, just did... the, the thought that like the the Geth and the whole first game and our seemingly portrayed in the second game as the big boogeyman in the universe and like you've got one standing behind you when I'm doing the side mission on the Citadel trying to get these two Asari off world and the uh, person at the Citadel security office is like oh you know you can't trust who might be a Geth agent and Legion's in the background of the goddamn shot (laughs) you know I just gave them fake IDs and they run away (laughs) now did anybody else have um, uh, slowdown problems in the final trip to the collector homeworld when it was yes. trying to load all the decisions you've made, or if you haven't upgraded the ship in certain areas, all those cutscenes that were really yeah. kind of shoddily put together in terms of it, it was obvious. It was like Fallout presenting in that sense. Yeah, and no, okay. I don't have the room on my hard drive, and I'm sure that yeah, that would alleviate the problems. That. But it makes me curious what what would happen in three if okay, let's let's take into consideration three games worth of stuff. I mean, th- they'll probably work <laughs> it out by then, but that that kind of bothered me and it pulled me out of the uh, the game itself a little bit. Here's me too. Elevator loading screen. Yeah. You know, I actually kind of wish they kept the elevator sequences because I got sick of looking at that same loading screen in the Normandy. I was fine with the elevators in one. Me too. I like the chatter. I like the. Uh, the little ribbing that characters would give each other and the news reports and what wasn't one of the missions from one, the side missions didn't come from a news report in the elevator. I think it might have. Yeah. So speaking of the chatter though. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Cause you know, as I 
when I came into the game, I was literally one day fresh out of beating Dragon Age after sinking like 80 hours into it. I loved that game. And one thing that it did better than Mass Effect 2, and I think I still stand by this, is that in terms of characterization, it took advantage of every possible downtime moment to let your characters talk between themselves. And depending on who's in your party and what had happened between the characters, things would change. And it was always, you know, kind of a great insight. It's just one way to develop characters that I felt like I could like have easily been added to Mass Effect so 2. But... Really? I was going to ask that, too. I feel like the characters in Mass Effect 2 are much more plausible. And, I mean, do you think that the writing is just more clever or these characters their morality is a lot... I don't know. I, I like them... It's a different kind of writing, Yeah, for one thing. I like. I couldn't say if I could have a favorite between the two. I think that Dragon Age had a very different approach to how it voiced its characters. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot more emphasis on wit, and uh, and but not like in the sort of blunt, down-to-earth way that you expect of like a space marine. You know, these are fantastical little elf things prancing around in some generic fantasy world it wasn't quite like you know our world 200 years in the future mm-hmm. so the facial different, you know, expectations. And that's true it is and i think that mass effect 2 actually compensated for the lack of incidental dialogue really well by just how the characters develop and each of their loyalty missions being so distinct and interesting yeah the the reason to really do the loyalty missions isn't to be able to prepare for the end of the game it's just to be able to enjoy the characterizations that they provide mm-hmm. i have to say samara and thanes were probably my favorite of the loyalty missions just because i like thane as a character a lot they did a great job with him even though he's still the typical assassin character you've seen in every movie book comic whatever but for him to have a son and to have that connection and then just the way his species handles emotions. It, it was really impressive, and you're right, Nick. The loyalty missions are all totally unique, and they're very satisfying. Every one was good, in my Thane opinion. Is one of my favorite in their own way. Like, even more, I know he is kind of that assassin archetype you're referring to, but I think his species really appealed to me as something new to Mass Effect, and I really mm-hmm. want to be able to visit the Honor homeworld in Mass Effect Three now. Also, it would just be awesome to get missions from... Uh, I really want... This one yeah, would too. like you to go assassinate one of my peers. <laughs> <laughs> I hope for a uh, Hanar party member, but that's kind of a pipe dream. I want an Elcor party Didn't, member. Wasn't oh, there a... Uh, oh, God, was it either... There was some background audio in... Last uh, I think uh, I can't uh, tell if it was an actual news report. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear that. And all of his dialogue <laughs> was like oh, a my massive God. variation on Tony Harry lines. This one wonders yeah, if really? you consider yourself oh, fortunate uh, if I may have five thermal clips <laughs> in my cluster or six. Um, that was something else that struck me was the amount of humor they put into two. The little oh just side, side humorous comments from the game uh, seller to other things like that. Ilium oh, has yeah. so Did many hilarious you guys run into moments. the uh, Asari you like freed there's... on Veermeyer? You run into her when you're getting uh, grumpy. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. No, the, uh, the one one? on Veermeyer, when they're, Harv- when they're making Krogan, and she's like... Oh, in yeah. In the office, I, and... I screamed at her. Yeah, you tell her to run yeah, before the Yeah, and she says the same explodes. kind of thing in this game, where she's like, I don't even want to be here, I just know things around you tend to explode, so I'm just going to get... <laughs> yeah, that was good. She was on the... She's uh, end up on Harbinger in the last game or something, working on Harbinger. Assuming yeah, direct control. 
It's your genetic destiny. That so why did the one crab guy look like totally different from the other? I don't crab know. People? It that was, it was really lazy. It was terrible an developing. Sort of thing. I I honestly was most let down by that uh, of that collector being the quote unquote boss for Mass Effect Two. It was just boring and really cliche, and it didn't hold my interest at all. But you know mm-hmm. it. It's not like the game was absolutely perfect, but everything else made me forget about some minor complaint like that. It's still something to shoot at. That's the thing, though. No, that collector was, you know, controlled by Harbinger, but but still, it it kind of sucked not having an enemy like Saren. Right. Someone that you could, I mean, you could convince Saren to kill himself in one. And, and that was awesome. That was amazing, and I never ever Fallout, had that Fallout happen in the game before. Well, hey, I'll talk the, the by convincing him to kill himself rather than having the extra boss battle tacked on after that. That's right. right. No, I did it I'm talking about the original Fallout. Yes, from like 15 years ago. Oh, the original. Oh, the um, the oh, Fallout Three. Yeah, you've never finished Fallout Three. Yeah. I forgot about that. I can't remember the name of the boss in Fallout One. I know. You're um, so inadequate. The, Sam- the Samara and Thane ones were both really, really good in terms of the gameplay design, too. Mm-hmm. Did you guys kill Samara? Or did no. You know, did you do that? I, I, I actually like her better as a party member than Samara. <laughs> and uh, I told Aaron <laughs> I about I this. I that on my um, second playthrough. You guys know how the Arnot Yakshi can, uh, when they mate, they get stronger, but they kill whoever they mate with. Well, uh, after you beat the game, the you can actually talk to her. And before, when you talk to her and she mentions it, she's like, no, this isn't the time. But after you beat the game, she's like, well, I guess we got the time now. And so she offers to do it. She's like, well, nobody has ever survived. But if anyone can survive, I bet you can, Shepard. You just killed a Reaper. And then you do it, and you die anyway. <laughs> just get the game over screen. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that That's would awesome. carry over no, to no, three. It, 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 yeah, it's, it's after the post No, it doesn't game, let you so say I am, but... It, it would be pretty hilarious if all of the Holonet news reports were... Uh, and human specter Shepard died from intercourse with Arda Yakshi. Yeah, <laughs> he contracted space aids. It's yeah. Her uh, loyalty that. ability is actually um, better than Samara's yeah. too, whereas her ability is basically AI hacking for organics. And if you max it out, you get group uh, dominate. Oh, cool. So it's actually really useful against the collectors like, in the end hmm. game. That's I just nice. like Samara so much. Just because I don't, I, I liked her so as the kind of monk more. character. It, it bothers me both in Dragon Age and in but... Mass Effect, where they portray the magic class as being so crazy powerful they can just dominate everything, and it just never ends up that way in battle. It's like, yeah, like you see. How, I don't what know. They can Morgan do. was ridiculous. Dragon Age is a little different as far as magic stuff is concerned. You definitely feel more powerful as a mage. I would argue. Mm-hmm. But still, you yeah, can see Morgan what like, biotics nuts. can do, and then you get into the actual gameplay of a gunfight, and they start, you're like, oh, Yeah, they they're talking about how Samara can, like, <laughs> fillet people alive with her mind, and and Jack, like, punches right. her way out of a maximum security prison in space. Yeah, you see her do that as you're recruiting her, and then she tones it down. <laughs> I'd say the biotics were the least interesting in Mass Effect 2 of all the classes, which is yeah. totally opposite of how I felt about 1. I played Engineer yeah. uh, this time. Actually, I played it in Mass Effect 1, and it was kind of okay. I, I, It was my second playthrough, so I was able to add a shotgun capability on there based off of the achievements, so that made it a lot better. But in Mass Effect 2, it was really awesome because you got both the 
Inferno and the Cryo sort of uh, blast attacks. And you, oh, could, yeah. you could arc those motherfuckers over walls, around <laughs> things. It was so awesome to play that by the end of the game. Yeah, being able to have your powers curve and find their target and not have to have a direct line of sight all the time was a major improvement that made it way more fun. It, yeah, by the end of the game I was actually playing almost exclusively in real time. and At first I really resisted it because I liked the pausing and the yeah. selection of abilities, but when you're just like chaining the other kills with your your moves, it's it's actually very satisfying. And with the, I would suggest if you're going to do a second playthrough, that's either fresh or you're importing a shepherd and changing class to try engineer if you haven't, because by the end of the game you could have the inferno, the cryo, and the um, uh, what's it, the AI drone. No, not, the well, the AI, the AI drone, but then you have the other one that blows away shields as well. Overload. So you have a way to take down almost anything shields. I would actually overload. suggest yeah. going as Sentinel. Oh, cool. I, I lo- that was probably my favorite class I've played through so far. I played as a Sentinel and I gave him warp ammo. And Is Sentinel yeah. the hybrid of the bionic engineer? Uh, I and gave engineer? him sniper rifles as an alt weapon, and uh, tech armor is really useful. It's probably the most useful of all the shield uh, abilities. Mostly because it isn't timed the way Barrier, Fortification, and Geth Shield are. And also, it's really useful when mm-hmm. you okay. lose your shields because it blows everyone in your vicinity away from you, which gives you a little bit of time to get the hell out of there. Yeah, that can that can be a problem a couple times later in the game. If you're caught behind the right, the wrong piece of cover, you'll have like three or four collectors right on your ass, and one of those, of course, will the be... The collectors weren't nearly as obnoxious as the Reaper enemies, so, the um, Praetorian... Crab monsters and the scions. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, scions yeah. Are terrible. Pain in my ass, and the terrible husks are totally suicidal now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we've talked a fair bit about like the uh, the combat differences, but I, I think we should talk a little bit um, before maybe we come back to the ending a bit to discuss the ramifications of that. Um, just the general mission structure of the game, because it's a it's very different from Mass Effect One, where you had your intro mission and the the three main missions, then a straight shot to the end. Um, what did you guys think of how it was laid out in this game, where you had you know your introductory sequence on Omega, but from there it was pretty freeform. I do up think until that everywhere the, you this went change. was significantly more interesting than Mass Effect One, uh, since you were going to only human colonies in the first one, Novaria and Pharos. I suppose Veermeyer was what Salarian, but you didn't really really encounter much of their culture over there, aside from yeah. Captain Kira. Uh, I I really enjoyed all the loyalty missions, just seeing different parts of the Mass Effect culture. It allows you to have a really freeform structure, but still keep a first act of the game, finding everybody, a second act of the game, getting everybody loyal to you, and then the third act of the game when you go on the suicide mission. I guess I felt a little bit constrained, even though the design was technically more open-ended, uh, because I started, you know, they, every, they gave you three or four people time to find it at one time, yeah. and I kind of, I looked at it the same way I looked at Mega Man, where it's like, okay, what, what's the optimal path? Who will give me the abilities to help me get the next person? I come to find there's not necessarily right. an um, optimal path. Even if the, there's one that works out the best combat-wise, you can actually get different reactions if you find certain people before others. Like, if you take Grunt with you to uh, get Jack... He actually reacts to her breaking out of prison. He's actually really excited to see this girl like fight her way out of jail. And if if you take yeah, him to go, that's, that's uh, a good yeah, thing. Archangel or AKA Garrus, he actually talks with the Blood Pack leader, and the Blood Pack leader chastises him for hanging out with humans. 
and asked him if he wanted to join his gang. Huh. Well, I know that like when you go pep talk the guy on uh, Morden's mission, if you bring Tally with you, she gets insulted at your quarry and joke. Yeah. But, I mean, it's those little details that may not dramatically affect how you play the game, but they they certainly add a lot of value to uh, a return visit, I guess. I think for me it's going to be, if I, when I go through all my second playthrough, it's going to be more about what characters do I want to get into my party for the longest time, and also which missions do I want to go through in what order, now that I know which ones are a bit more combat-focused, and which ones have the time to either have long dialogues or have alternative options, like the, the couple of the loyalty missions where you're doing a lot more talking than shooting. Just because I don't want to play like eight hours straight of shooting again. I think that's definitely something Bioware needs to emphasize more. Is I really enjoy the conversation so much. I could really care less about how much more developed the combat is. It is a, a more improved experience, but if I had to choose one over the other, I would definitely want to spend more of that game in dialogue than in combat. Yeah, that's how I felt. Too. I was way more satisfied by the dialogue and the conversations in this one, if only because the questions that Shepard could ask were ones I thought immediately when I was having conversations, talking about some, somebody's homeworld comes up, and then automatically after that line is said, uh, questions to delve into that history pop up, so then you can follow that path. And one to me felt way more limited, though all of the elements were there. I, mean, I, I think, for example, in 2, I was talking to Samara, and she brought up the Knights Errant and Samurai of human history, and I thought, right when she said that, <laughs> how the hell does she know about it? And then Shepard automatically pops up saying, wait, you know about... So then it goes on this whole little path about how she studied human history and um, tenets that she's learned from these different cultures, and it was really enlightening, and it satisfied you know, my curiosity. So I do prefer the conversation systems that Bioware has put in its games. The combat is better in 2, but I really hope 3 isn't just all about the final climax and giant epic battles. I hope it's still emphasizing even more so than 2 all of the great character interactions. And I have a feeling it will be. Yeah, yeah. I hope that people, characters from 1, come back and you can actually recruit them. Maybe you even have a team of 15 to 20 people you could choose from, which sounds ridiculous, but you never one know what they'll do. So it sounds like that's going to be the now that we have the team from two. It's like, do you yeah. really want to talk to Ashley Williams again? She was kind of a bitch in this one. and No, uh, that's why I killed her off in one. <laughs> but The only one I miss is Rex. And I mean, Grunt's cool, yeah. but Rex was amazing. Yeah, I like how happy he was to see you on Tuchanka. And I've seen quotes were from... Um, or from Bioware people saying that the reason why some of these characters that were in one and were really cool, like Liara or Rex or even Williams or Caden, if you like them, the reason why they're not playable in the second game is because they didn't want them to possibly get killed for the third game. So they're definitely going to be in there. Mm-hmm. That's good to And hear. my thoughts also on the dialogues. Like, there's a whole huge dialogue tree you can go down with Morden on his loyalty mission, and it has to do with like, the, um, the Krogan genophage and ethics behind that. And it's right. amazing, inter- amazingly interesting, and you can bail at so many opportunities in that conversation, but you can also yeah, just keep going. I feel like that's... I think that's... Sorry, Nick, go ahead. Oh, well, I, I was going to say, if there's one improvement that really stands out for me above Mass Effect 1, it's how much more well-planned mm-hmm. the dialogue trees are. Because in the first game, they really tried to push this uh, kind of impulse-driven 
response system that I thought was great at the time. I still think it was a great idea, but in this one, there are so many layers of depth that you can expose if you want to. They're there if you want to, but they're certainly not mandatory. And the game does a really good job of picking up on when you want to find out more about something and kind of contextually uh, branching off from that further and further. Mm-hmm. It just shows that the writers had a really a really good sense of how people were playing the game. That's kind of what I was going to say as far as the way they've written the characters and two, it and I said this earlier, it does make me feel like these characters are, are much more plausible. It doesn't feel like anymore to me, oh, this is an alien that, well, Krogan are angry. They have their own motivations, just like every species does, and individuals within that species that are on your team. So uh, they did a fantastic job of making each person unique and interesting at the same time. Even if, you know, they're like Jacob and they're still pretty cut and dry, he still is not like Jack or Thane or anyone else. The one thing I wish they'd done is, I wish they'd given you, I mean, I could care less about Caden or Williams on that backstory because they're still in the Alliance, but I wish they'd given you just a little bit more of it. From a secondary character about Liara. Supposedly they because are because I think I'm, I don't think I'm most alone. She's going to be in a DLC, not as a character, but just you're going to okay. help her more with her quest to find a shadow broker. They definitely set that say, up. Um, on the, if, I don't know if anybody else got it, but the comic that came out for iPhone it came with our collector's yeah, edition. The first, even <laughs> hooray! Even even just the first edition of that, which is like I think it's the first quarter of that whole story arc, just reading through that gives you a little bit more impression of her motivations in the game and why she's mm-hmm. keeping you at arm's length. So it's, It is interesting that she was the dealing comic with is kind of frustrating from though, because Shadow Broker. a very specific idea of who Shepard is and how he acted. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That's the problem sure. with the comic book. The other problem is that it's a comic Whoa. book, which kind of sucks, <laughs> but... <laughs> just trying to get someone pissed off, don't now, we? Now, I have a question. I... It seems like 2 succeeded because it played... One of the reasons it did, because it played off of a lot of the small references and characters you would meet in 1 that then Bioware figured, okay, we have to put Helena Blake in here, the um, you know, the one who's... Just things like that. And then the Rachni Queen, which was an awesome, very, oh, very cool, cool. They, they, foreshadowing. Very so play. things oh, like yeah. that... Yeah. So that's what I'm curious about. I didn't feel a lot of those moments in 2 where you've either saved something or saved someone, these really big decisions where you start up 1, or um, 2, excuse me, and it says all of the different decisions you've made and how that changes the game. Well, for me, 2 did That was missing to me, too. Yeah. I think that's going to be... I, I think that's something we can't see right now because a lot of these things were only brought to light for 1 when you started playing 2. Right, but well, you really... I also think you that's more thing see more in the yeah. well, How about, how about other things? Rather than have these like sweeping galaxy changes, uh, the reactions you're going to see are how you've handled the people in your squad. Who lived what their loyalty is to mm-hmm. you and how you handle their loyalty missions. Like in certain loyalty missions, you can make decisions about whether or not you let one of your squad mates kill someone that's wrong. Then I think that could, that might have implications yeah. in the future. And I, th- I, th- I think also one of the ones that could really play out is, um, the quarians as well. When you're doing Tali's mission, like what yeah. they, what they decide to pursue could have a major difference on how it doesn't imply that we're going to see like a major or something like Legion conflict in three. No. I hope we're going to have a moment like in Return of the Jedi where like the Ewoks Here. are rising up. Hello? Aaron? <laughs> 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 you 
You're, you're calling me a Star Wars nerd. <laughs> that was self-referential too. I think that's okay. gonna. I think that could happen with the Rock Knight. Like if you're gonna assemble this that's gigantic fleet of all the species, and then the Rock Knight show up, everybody's gonna brick their pants. But is it going go, to no, be? No, 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 no. They're cool guys. They're cool. <laughs> is it going to be something as simple as a choppy cut scene towards the end too, where in place of uh, everybody getting destroyed in the Alliance, a a really laggy cutscene pops up where a whole billion fleet of Rachni things, spores, fly in and destroy the Reapers. I mean, you can't really assume, but I just definitely feel like the threads that are in 2 aren't as visible as they I wonder were how those things better even or worse. And That's probably going to be a better thing. <laughs> I don't know either. They probably how, fly how, in how a big crab ball people of poop or something. There's a astronaut. lot of things in the Mass Effect universe that I do and do not know, want to know how they work. I think the the loyalty mission that you do for Legion is going to have a big impact. That's, yep. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of uh, Legion, I was wondering... Um, Are we Legion? Uh, do you guys have... Uh, is there a character that stood out to you as the most interesting to get to know or to play with or anything? Because I think that, in retrospect, Legion was the most interesting character to me, especially when you ask him about the N7 armor. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely, Legion came as a very big surprise. Yep. Thinking that a Geth being a teammate would just be, oh, okay, well, this is a Geth that isn't evil. This could just be boring. But getting into the history and the culture that exists for the Geth, I, it was a total nerdy fantasy for me of just getting to know what exactly is going on with the Geth and then realizing that the universe isn't just black and white, even within a yep. game. It, it just really paid off. Throwing a Geth teammate in there is one thing, but rewriting how the Geth were from the first game and what your impressions of them were, um, and portraying that as no, no, these are what we refer that's to such as a, heretics. That's such a come kind like, of like cliche idea big in like, video game sci-fi, though. That your original enemy is actually is. not your enemy, and there's like a civil war between them. I and mean, we've seen that in Halo. We've seen that in Gears now. It, yeah. Not to say I don't love Legion, but like, it, well, everything is cliche when it comes down to it. No matter if it's a video game or not. Everything has pretty much been done before, but I know what you're saying. I still didn't see it coming and saw it as being really, really powerful and important when it did come. So, What endeared me to most the Legion wasn't necessarily his backstory as a species. He was kind of the opposite of the thing to me. What endeared me the most to him is just the way his species spoke and like his mannerisms I thought were fascinating. Like The way he refers to you as Shepard Commander. When you're on the Corian fleet, he calls them like Crater Admirals. He doesn't refer to them by their names. He, he, he has like this kind of like false respect for everyone because in his narrow mind, like everyone is just equal. They're all just organics. And yeah, they definitely made him seem yeah, like he's a machine. A, kind of a another side to the whole uh, AI partner, sort of similar to HK forty seven, where that guy was all emotion. Legion <laughs> is absolutely emotionless, and it's just completely coldly rational it's almost like talking to a child in that respect i also really enjoyed uh tolly meatbags Uh, they developed her character a lot more in this game they gave definitely yeah i was i was curious why they brought her back as a playable character but it certainly made sense you uncover a lot more about her if you pursue her as a love interest as male shepherd her character is there's a there's a few discrepancies that make a lot more sense of why she's with you and why she decided to join up with you on another suicide mission. Although it kind of disappoints me in that sense, since you know that they're going to be making Mass Effect 3 with the idea that she could be dead. Mm-hmm. 
can every party member die as far as in know, certain yeah. circumstances? Yeah, you could. I think you can kill everybody off if you just completely fuck it up. So, no. Not in one fell swoop. But. I really wonder then, yeah, how many people were the, will there be in three? But I, I definitely was impressed by Legion and Tali. I was mostly disappointed actually in Garrus, just because yeah. Garrus was my absolute. Garrus and Rex were my two favorites from one, and I Shut used them every time I played. And Garrus was great in one, but in two, his kind of revenge, bloodlust, uh, rampage. Uh, and then getting scarred, and it, it just, I don't know, it didn't really feel right. Maybe they'll flush him out more in 3, but then there's a certain point in 2 where he just kind of shuts off. You don't really have much more to say to him, and then... Yeah, it, he doesn't want to talk anymore. Uh, yeah. That's because you're not Lady Shepard. You can go a little bit further. It disturbs me on so many levels. No, right, <laughs> but the best part the best part was when you recruit Garrus, you get back onto the Normandy, and then you can have a little ribbing session where you guys poke fun at each other, and just stuff like that yeah. really paid off. Same with, like I said, um, Rex being happy to see you when you go to Tuchanka, and it, it just made me feel like this is actually my character. I did care about these uh, yeah. playable characters in one. I'm glad that they actually have a relationship in two, so I was disappointed when it fell flat. But I guess they uh, had to leave room for the new characters. Speaking of, um, back to Chachanka for a second, one of the favorite innovations I have in the game. I didn't do this because I played way too Paragon for it, but apparently you can headbutt one of the Krogans yeah. when you're on Tachanka. I did that. Oh my god, I want to do that. <laughs> so worth it. The, the one guy who's, a, who's being a dick that's standing next to Rex when you're talking to him. Oh, uh, the one that um, has the Krogan Battlemaster yeah, armor on. The shaman. Yeah. The one from the other, the other tribe or whatever. Oh, right, oh the, the, the ambassador? Yeah, the ambassador. Yeah. You can just headbutt him, and then the shaman's like, yeah, I like it. Uh, <laughs> I was disappointed because uh, it didn't really seem like the way you treated him in one really mattered. Uh, in one, you had the option mm-hmm. with uh, one of his side missions whether or not to let him like fulfill his revenge fantasy. And you can you can nurture him in the, revenge, in the game yeah. into being that dirty, hairy type that you see in Mass Effect 2, but it does, doesn't really give the impression that if you didn't go that route, that his behavior changes at all. And I kind of want, I kind of wonder how yeah, I Mass that. Effect Two starts like, if you didn't recruit him at all. Since at the beginning of Mass Effect One, you have the option if you just get Rex to not even go find Garrus. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. It just it does kind of suck that they kind of retcon Garrus to going complete dirty Harry when you die. Mm-hmm. And then they did nothing with his character depth. Yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe it changes if you try to like. Getting his. I think, I, I'm just thinking that there might be dialogue <laughs> options that you can pursue as Lady Shepherd instead of Dude Shepherd, but that's just based off of that. They eventually um, spur out to the whole. Well, it's like talking about how Turians prepare for dangerous missions like this, and there's an option that's like, well, we could blow up some oh, steam together. And it's like it really well, disturbs me how there's a possible. Uh, not the only thing will blow up. There are yeah. people clamoring for a romance with Garrus. It's like. What what part of him is well, did you... to you on a, like a <laughs> level? It makes sense from how they've written the romances in this game, though, in that mm-hmm. for both male and female Shepherd, there's one character who's um, who's a fe- who's a human that you can go for. There's one character that's a sexy alien that you can go for, and then there's like another character that harkens back to the past. And for the humans or for male, it's um. It's Tali, but for the female, you're kind of stuck with Garrus. I don't know. Thane yeah. makes a bit more Did sense. Anybody else catch him with the sole express purpose of him being physically appealing to a human being? That's what I was going to say. Did you yeah. guys see the Game Informer uh, article I about sure how they that designed was pretty Thane? Interesting. No, I haven't yet. No, 
it was it was really interesting. The character developers, you should check it out. But um, they talked about how they had to make Thane as a definitely a, an attractive character for female players, so they would ask and um, consult women that worked in the office uh, at Bioware, and they went through a lot of different. Uh, permutations and color schemes and they, you know, they wanted to have somebody that was mysterious and interesting and even if it's not, you know, it's still an alien that's kind of might be hard to find an alien attractive. <laughs> but fish looking. Yeah, but his mystery, his voice, things like that, and they definitely built him in mind to be a love interest, which is must be interesting for a developer to think, okay, I have a great idea for a character, but we have to make sure that the female players or pl- people playing the female Shepherd want to bone this guy. <laughs> and unlike so, Garrus, he doesn't look like you get that's, cut that's, by touching him. Right. Yeah. Or Massive like some... Or yeah, use, like, never mind. <laughs> Morden, yeah, Morden's discussions about with you about the possibilities of that are right. hilarious. I heard oh, that God. was great. And Tally reminds me of that Penny Arcade comic about the date with Samus. Want to see what's hilarious if you do have the romance. Uh, you get to the point where you finally take the mask takes off, the... the camera pans away at the last minute, and I was just like, oh, you mm-hmm. are kidding me. I felt like it was playing Halo again or something. Yeah. I like the. I've I've read a little bit. I think Kotaku had an article spoiling all the romances up there, and I, there's um, videos up that show like what happens with Tali before and after. It's hilarious to see what happens both. Another before hilarious and after. thing is that some modders actually like used uh, the PC version to get a look at what the image of her face is after you take off the mask, and apparently Bioware didn't even model it because once he takes off the mask, you look yeah. around. She's still wearing the mask. She just has another mask in her hand. <laughs> it's well, taking off the mask to reveal well, another Chuck mask. Norris has a That's beard smart. under his beard type of thing <laughs> it's like in sideways stories from wayside school where the wet rat has tons of <laughs> coats on please yeah, tell me someone knows I'm talking about I was like in 6th grade <laughs> okay, I don't know where you dug that one up from. Uh, okay well yeah, I, we I can blame Melissa for that lot. but I mean, overall, do we think the game was a success? Are we impressed by it, disappointed in any way, or is it just was it that awesome? Because I, I personally thought it was amazing. And well, for my answer, you can just take from the fact that the very moment I finished the game, I immediately started another playthrough with my renegade character <laughs> and cracked open a case of Red Bull. I think I'll wait to speak last. Yeah, I. I uh... <laughs> I started my second character today, and I put, like, I think it was two Sundays ago, I put, like, 12 hours into the game just playing all day and going through most of the uh, the recruitment missions and a couple of the loyalty missions. I, I just, I, I would do it all over again. Um, I, I'm not quite as fanatical as Aaron about it, but I absolutely love playing through Aaron, you're game. fanatical about it? Um, well... Uh, with uh, being aware of the faults that the game has, such as the sometimes overly streamlined uh, elements that I do enjoy but sometimes despise. Uh, The combat is great, but on Insanity, it's (laughs) annoying as crap, but that's my own fault for playing on that difficulty level. And the (laughs) the fact that it is the middle child of the series, it was great, but it definitely is leaving me wanting more and not in the good way where, oh, this is awesome, I can't wait for the next game, that I feel somewhat unfulfilled by the end result. 
but honestly, Mass Effect One, you guys all know how many times I played that. Um, Holy crap! Eight now is the final tally. <laughs> You're I'm only kidding. And uh, <laughs> good job, I, good sir. Me too. I completed it three times. And I felt like a freak. Yeah, I did so, it twice, and I loved both times. I'm Toxic Avenger <laughs> level of freak then, but <laughs> Mass Effect One then was obviously one of my most favorite games, just because it, it wasn't the most brand new game ever RPG, but it just so Aaron, hit me on a level that have others now? haven't. So. Honestly, a lot of the playthroughs on one were w- with the same character. I have a Renegade, but those characters were erased when my Xbox was stolen almost two years ago, and then the hard drive wiped. But at the time, I had four different Shepherds, and now I only have three from one, and I have two in Mass Effect 2, my main one, and one I haven't finished playing through yet. But, yeah, basically, Mass Effect 2 was a way better game than 1, and I loved 1 to death, so I think Mass Effect 2 was a huge success, and I, I can't wait for 3, but it's not perfect by any means. Going back to 1 just long enough to Mass Effect my run, and I don't see myself ever going back to play 1 again. Oh, no. I'm not, I will have no reason to go back and play it either, but I'm not getting rid of my copy of the game. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I might buy that new DLC uh, if I get a copy of one. My review hasn't gone to the Pinnacle? site. It's heavy editing, but I have uh, some pretty bile-soaked words to say about the Mass Effect 1 DLC and post-game content. Yeah, well, let's hope 2 remedies that. They've already put um, out a little bit more with armor today. Well, so far it seems uh, halfway decent. I'm, I think it sounds like we'll actually see some significant content this time rather than just kind of throw away bullshit. Bioware has so. been pretty bad with DLC. I mean, Dragon Age the Normandy, much, but... the Normandy crash site was kind of a letdown. Yeah, it was very straightforward. Even for me, playing the game so much, I wasn't impressed by it. I, I think that was supposed to be for the really hardcore fans of, oh my god, we could see the Normandy crash. It'll be so <laughs> retrospective, but it was boring. And you collect, you collect just a bunch of. ID tags and you know it, it was for pretty lame for DLC. Metal Gear Solid Four, I they mean, actually handle a similar scenario very well, a lot better. Uh, you revisit Shadow Moses, which is the, the region from the first game, and while you're playing through it, you actually hear mm-hmm. voices in sort of the background of like scenarios from that game. Like you hear the voice of Meryl or. That was great. Yeah, that was cool, but it wasn't DLC, and though we didn't have to pay for it. Yeah, I'm just it. saying the, the idea uh, of the situation was similar, but it was just handled so much better, whereas mm-hmm. at the crash site, you'll just walk over to an area, it'll just show you a still image of that part of the ship, and as if that's so, supposed to evoke some sort of emotion in you. <laughs> and I they know, looked like they stupid. were just screen-capped from their old screenshot like, website, too. They didn't want... Like confused and constipated, just like he always did, so... <laughs> It's like shit, guys. We gotta get we gotta get this DLC out. Let's grab some screenshots off Those the were Facebook really page. Low res screenshots. Too bad they. Uh, I wish they had the IGN watermark <laughs> like Okami did for the Wii. <laughs> um, and well, actually, I wanted to bring something up regarding the DLC, and that's that nobody in the last hour of recording yeah, has mentioned he was pretty disappointing. Uh, he, he wasn't that useful in combat, and you can't. I really think talk to him at all. No, <laughs> he sucks at combat. 
That that was a huge disappointment where, yeah, you can't even talk to him on the ship. I thought his face uh, textures were really cool. He has one of the most detailed faces I've yeah, seen. Yeah, he's, he's probably voice for great. up there yeah. with, like, but... uh, default Shepard and uh, Miranda in terms of, like, most realistic human beings in the Mass Effect universe. Mm-hmm. Miranda. Well, M- Miranda and uh, <laughs> oh, Default God, Shepard are probably based on real human beings, so I wouldn't be surprised to find out that Zaid was as well. Yeah, some yeah. European model and what's-her-face from Yvonne Chuck. Stravowski. Yep. The... Yeah, of course you would know that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess I wanted to point out that, as far as DLC goes, granted the Cerberus Network is a free pack-in, and it's more than just a free character, but... With Dragon Age, you had Shale as mm-hmm. a, a, an identical thing, a $15 DLC that was free with every new copy. And um, Shale added a whole lot to Dragon Age, everything up until like the very end of the game where he's kind of inactive, and I don't want to ruin that. He's also that actually useful in combat. It, but, yeah. um, he is, and he's got a very interesting side quest that I missed completely on my first playthrough. Yes, he is certainly useful. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, I most it. of the reason why I didn't download Zaid <laughs> is because my hard drive is damn near full, and I didn't want to crop out any more stuff on my hard drive to, you know, have the 500 megabyte download take up half of what I have left. Man, you guys really need to get on the bigger hard drive. It was an interesting size. I still I have to do my Microsoft mod. I have it here. Let me open my drawer right next to my desk. Oh, there it is. No, it'll make noise. Oh, the audio quality is suffering. I don't think anybody would complain about the audio quality if they've gotten this far and still listened. If they've gotten this far and they can point out this exact moment in the conversation, I will give them a dollar. By PayPal. And talks. No, I don't have a PayPal Wait. account. How would I have been over this? Okay, okay, so... Well, Nick, your final results. thoughts then. Yeah. Um, I had a bad first impression, and I think that began when my copy arrived and I looked at the box art. <laughs> and it looked like... God, what do you call that? Like a, a soap opera in space with like C grade porn though, stars on the cover? It was just that was supposed to be North America or the new one. That oh, you out. mean Space Nuts too? Oh, I like I like the running box art. It's this that looks. I don't know. Shepard looks like he's like squatting, and <laughs> Randall looks like she just got like a train just whizzed by her. And then... that's why you should have gotten the collector's edition, like <laughs> Tyler and I. Yeah, yeah, except I don't want to spend the money for nothing I want. I just pulled my copy of the, the original style box out, out, and Default Shepherd looks kind of constipated. Miranda's hair is definitely windswept. I'm not, I'm and not trying she's to got a little right? cleave going on, too. Do you awesome. feel like you're... Not, not too much. It's not right really now. But... Oh, well, I, I can't really say because I had $10 in credit to Amazon, so I paid regular edition price okay, for the collector's edition. I would not have paid $70. No, I would have not paid $70 for it. The tin's cool. The little uh, comic is alright, but yeah, it's not really worth it. it. The collector edition rifle is somewhat interesting, but you get adequate enough weapons. It's It really wasn't yeah. worth $10. It, it looked nice, but not to me, I'm not like really into like I wasn't into the concept enough to buy it. Yeah. I would much rather pay like forty bucks more for the Bioshock Two right. special edition if I had a record player. Or the it would have been a different matter. Uber it would have been a different matter if it was like Forza Three, where I bought the collector's edition mostly because they're sort of equivalent to the um, Cerberus Network. Was the only the only way to get that was to get the limited edition. Yeah, right to get those cars and tracks or something, right? Uh, mostly just. Um, getting cars trickled out to you. There's like five cars that you can only get with the limited edition and then they also do things like they just send you a bunch of cars randomly from time to time. Oh, that's cool. 
Um, and, I, and I think another special addition to watch for would be the Alan Wake I one, which sounds like say, a very yeah, yeah, very robust one. But to get back on topic with the game, um, no, I, I I struggled for about the first twenty hours to really understand why the changes had that were made had been made because I had a very good concept of how Mass Effect was meant to be played. I played through it three times, which apparently is nothing compared to the rest Noob. of the guys. Um, but I, the combat was different. The mission structure was different. The fact that there was a mission complete screen made me feel like I was playing like a, like an Army of Two type of game where it was just like dumbed down, action oriented, trying to appeal to the football, or in this case, <laughs> well, maybe NBA crowd if you're looking at other RPGs coming out in the future. Um, Final Fantasy thirteen, but um, I guess what I what I eventually had to do was just abandon all my preconceived notions about what Mass Effect was and what a Bioware RPG was. And um, I, I think another thing was just to level up my Vanguard because until you have an ability maxed out, it's really not worth using. I mean, you'll you want to you want to use it, not but it won't really have much of an much, effect. But I think the game actually and, um, shares some themes in common with Final Fantasy thirteen where both of them are taking a sort of a traditional idea of what an RPG is for that reason, region and completely streamlining the process. Like mm-hmm. Final Fantasy thirteen from all the previews I've read, completely does away with uh, like the town structure and everything. And you're pretty much moving on a straight path. Mm-hmm. It's all about combat. I've heard it's like It sounds a lot more like Final Fantasy ten than Final Fantasy twelve in that sense. Even though you could revisit areas in ten. 10 too, where the combat is extremely fast and very well designed and the story is mm-hmm. actually more of a background type thing. You have the... And the fierce fashion element. I'm going to start singing the opening song if we don't stop. I was really happy to see the changes made because in, in Mass Effect 2, mostly because the combat was a little clunky in the first game. It was workable, but it wasn't perfect. And because there was so much stuff that just seemed extraneous to this type of a game. Like, you don't need to go through and check out your inventory. It's just extra. I like the streamlining of it because it allows you to focus on the two things that this game does really well, which is the combat and also the story and the characters. Well, that's that's a good point. Like at first, I was put off a lot by a lot of these changes, and I think that the, the I found another a voice agreeing with me with with um, the New York Times game review. I think it's Seth, Seth Schiesel, or however you pronounce it. Um, but where did where did you turn? Like at what point in the game? At what sort of a was it just on a mission, know, or was it just after dropping it, your notions, it, or what? I think it was after I went to the human colony and I fought off, you know, the the wave after wave of the uh, collectors, which was actually pretty interesting. And that's when you really start to understand what the enemy's like. Because I think it's a fault of the game that you don't see a collector until that point. Well, technically, you, know, you, you see have... him on video, but I know what you mean. You don't fight yeah. them. Well, yeah. I mean, you didn't see Sovereign except for that little short video clip. I mean, you can see him flying away, but you know, you don't really get a sense of what's happening in Mass Effect One either. But in Two. I didn't have a face for the enemy for mm-hmm. a long time, whereas you have Saren within, like, ten minutes of Mass Effect 1. Yeah, that was a strength where it had, um, basically a boss character, and then it had the lower-level Saren that you thought was the main antagonist, and then it turns out that, no, it's a giant, uh, sentient space I do. octopus. Right. And just... Squid. Oh, um, well, I was just gonna say that a lot of the little changes that I later... I, I mean, I agree that... Almost every single one of them is an improvement. Like, having ammo clips or, you know, like, heating, cooling things to reload, as opposed to having guns overheat, is a much, much more fun way to play, even though it was kind of a strange transition. Yeah. Uh, cover's still kind of broken, kind of but it's better. I 
Um, uh, I miss either getting yeah. um, experience or just being able to find new equipment. I, as much of a chore as the Me too. And like, was, uh, <laughs> I feel like the combat for as improved as it is, it, it isn't enjoyable enough to make me want to keep doing it. If I could avoid combat, I probably would have gone about doing that in Mass Effect 2. It sounds strange to say this, but I think Aaron will know what I mean when I say that I kind of wish after playing Bayonetta that there was some sort of like scoring or indication of how you did in each fight. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's actually something that Bayonetta did really well, which is a totally different game. Maybe but not putting it as per stage, but or like per each individual combat area, but like make, take, making it total up towards that uh, end mission screen and giving you a little bit of a credit bonus at least for how well you did in combat would be more nice. Because then that mm-hmm. kind of defines a certain way that you're supposed to play, and Mass Effect is all about choice. It, it was kind of the argument. Well, it could act as an... It could, if, if you get money, it could act, or whatever else, it could act as a balance over or compared to having to go mine plants for fucking ever. Yeah. I like, I like Nick's idea. Or hack wall saves or something. Of having a sort of... A Bayonetta is to me genius for breaking up combat and to giving you scores that I normally do hate in games, but the way that small encounters can then be played with, they could either be really long and include a boss fight, or they can just be five little floating angels that you kill and then you get a score for it, but it's kind of the the idea of scoring is the same problem I had with Ballad of Gay Tony. Right. Where I think that's the other end mm-hmm. where it doesn't work well. It discourages you. Can you can feel pressured into or discouraged, like, yeah. oh, so I didn't save the awesome helicopter in five minutes, and instead it was eight, so I get that's a no-ranking score. So I don't want to feel rushed through combat. I take much more of a tactical, like, slow and steady approach. I prefer the sniper rifle. Sniper right. rifle. There we go. Over the shotgun. <laughs> Which we can agree that it's a it's a godsend that the rifle doesn't God, sway yeah. in two anymore, so the sniper easier. rifle. Yes. Oh my god. But I, I do think that combat in Mass Effect two could have used more incentives. And being able to only change your uh um characters and your equipment and all and that stuff armor, but... after you finished a mission really did kind of bother me because it felt that you were more locked into it. For example, my friend, he's currently playing on Insanity, and he didn't know about one of the missions. I believe it was the one where you land on the planet and you turn off a transponder signal and then tons of mechs just start showing up out of nowhere. And that's on Insanity, and he can't get out of it. So he feels extremely frustrated, which, yeah, he's playing on Insanity, but maybe you weren't that good at the game to begin with and you're playing on Normal, and that part is just frustrating the crap out of you to not really feel like... Mm-hmm. To not feel like you have control over, well, I guess I could just change out this equipment here and there. It, it does feel like they took some of the the control out of your hands. You can change the difficulty Early. at any time. I mean, unless you're going for that insanity achievement, then you're kind of screwed. But uh... yeah, I don't think you'd be playing on insanity unless you wanted that achievement. Because God help you, <laughs> if that's like the way you have your fun. Yeah, which I will be doing, also, but I, I don't recommend it. Hell, there's some... uh, thank you for including an option to respec your character. Uh, I wish every RPG did this. I love mm-hmm. any game that has tech trees that allows you to kind of experiment and choose later on in the game that you want to go down a different path without having to restart the entire experience. Amen. Dra- Dragon Age needed that really bad. I just, I I just really it. like the simplification of character trees in this one. I mean, it's nice that they're in there for the RPG-ness of it and to choose which uh, capabilities you want to level up, but I left all my other characters other than Shepard 
on automatic leveling up in Mass mm-hmm. Effect 1 just because it was such a fucking pain in the ass. And there was way too many different options to put into it. And I didn't want to micromanage that much. But with only maybe three or four... It's... Well... Yeah, I, that sounds like some real... I'm more interested <laughs> in the characters and acting out the game and playing the role of Shepard than deciding where to put my fucking skill points in this game. It's interesting well, to fair. see how RPG mechanics are being retooled anymore. Borderlands, though not as good of a game as Mass Effect 2, the same thing where it takes RPG elements and in their tech trees or their skill trees... Uh, that it's very streamlined and very direct and clear, and then Mass Effect 2 takes it even further, and I don't necessarily want RPG conventions of old to go away entirely, but Nick and I were talking about this earlier, where it would be nice to have a kind of balance between... uh, Bioware's games are a great example of having Dragon Age, which is totally old school, very classic, but you know still new, because they've added a lot of great ideas and gameplay changes since the genre has started on the computer years ago. And then you have Mass Effect 2, which is a major hybrid, extremely streamlined, and more about the character experience than worrying mm-hmm. about every stat here and there, and oh, did I mess up? No, well, here, you can change things up anytime you want. It's very simple, simplistic and easy to understand. Maybe it's just my experience with RPGs, having a lot of it been doing pen and paper ones. Um, I haven't played a lot of JRPGs. I haven't played a lot of strategy RPGs. I love the Bioware games, but I haven't really played a lot of the How do you play a pen and paper RPG and then decide Mass Effect? I don't want to micromanage levels. (laughs) Yeah, why have you not played Dragon Age? What I'm saying is, the parts I enjoyed of playing a pen and paper RPG was playing a role, making Mm -hmm. decisions having dialogue and going with that as opposed to deciding where I want to put my scope points. You have to that admit the that best part yeah, pen and paper RPGs are a whole different beast because you're playing with people who are actually there. You're playing a character in real life that you have more control over than playing Shepard, which right. still really is a predetermined character when you think about it. It's not something as unique and individualistic as Dragon Age's uh, Grey Warden. Shepard, you right. still only right. have t- a couple options. At this game, though, you have a lot more option than the first. It's a huge, huge evolution in, over how the system for morality going Renegade or, Pal- or Paragon worked in the first game. You can do both now, and it can suit any situation. Like, you can completely, utterly rationalize. Yeah, I, I play Paragon and help people out, but I'm not going to let this Merc stand around. I'm just going to shoot him in the back of the head because he's I, a I think that's a huge improvement over the first mm-hmm. game because, you know, they're, they're separate things and you can get points in both categories depending on your actions for you the same single action game though if you're not oh. leaning one way or the other yeah the, at the really yeah because if you if you don't go enough on both or either you don't yeah. open up the uh, dialogue trees enough and in some of the missions. cases like in like in the court case with tally and the loyalty missions especially being able to go with that upper left or 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 bottom left the red and uh, option blue options, let's just say. is like the win button. Yeah, <laughs> the red and blue options are basically the win button in a lot of cases. It, it's an interesting problem to implement shades of gray morality in the game and then have the same kind of problem that, uh, to me, Fallout 3 did, where you tend to get more of a benefit if you do one extreme or the other and staying in the middle or trying to do the best of both worlds or just being a real person where you're not always good or evil doesn't really ever pay off. Especially the older ones did a little bit better, though, is that 
you actually got speed checks for things other than speech, where you could have an option if you were completely neutral, or if you're really good in high explosives, you might have a diff certain option, or if you're a really strong character, you might have a different option. I like that Dragon Age did that. It was it would have been nice to see in Mass Effect, but since the, you know this, your skills were very specific, it wouldn't have really made as much sense. Yeah. The game assumed that Shepard was an mm -hmm. expert with like technology and hacking and guns. Which the hacking minigame, did we like that any more than, than what was in the first one? It was better, there. but I, mm -hmm. I'm sure it'll be tedious on subsequent playthroughs. It is. It was a little like bit tedious was. from time to time, but it got to be like a quick little breakaway. And they never really, like, if you messed up on something and it went away, it was usually just like credits. It wasn't anything that was mission critical. Like, if you're supposed to hack into a wall safe to get something for a mission, well, they keep giving you even tries. beyond that, the only ones so you can that fail are the ones really with awesome. credits. The ones that you get, like, upgrades and stuff from, yeah. those you can redo as well. And they're so yeah. easy. The only way you could really mm -hmm. fail these is if you're impatient. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, I think... Let's see. How about we... Um, Try to wrap this up. But to ask one rela unrelated question, so. possibly, uh, how does this change sure. how no. everyone feels about Alpha Protocol? That was largely it was supposed to come out before Mass Effect Two, and there's a few comparisons. It's by Obsidian. It's sort of a Mass Effect style game, but you're playing as a spy named uh, Mike Mike something like Mike Shepherd. Watson, I want to say, or West Shepard. Mike Shepard. <laughs> Shepard Mike. I I really haven't looked at any information on the game since last year because I just figured it was never coming <laughs> out. <laughs> so yeah, I don't care. I I I've, I've, I've I don't like Obsidian games. I mean, I do, but I I don't, don't care either so far. I mean, I'm intrigued to see what they do. I wasn't, you know, I I played the hell out of Fallout 3, but I wouldn't say I loved it. I'm excited to see what another studio can do with the IP. I'm not particularly excited for Alpha Protocol, or don't really care much either way. I just find it's really funny that a lot of the other podcasts I listen to, like Giant Bomb and uh, the One Up Ones, are like, "Oh man, Alpha Protocol guys probably just shit a brick as soon as they got a big playable build of Mass Effect 2 because they realized they had to up their standards <laughs> in about six months." <laughs> yeah. So here's a question, real quick, on that same vein. Um, did playing Mass Effect 2 with its improved combat and everything change how you feel about Borderlands? Mm, I, see I don't know. I still feel... Yeah, I would say so. I don't... Well, they play differently. I don't really want to play Borderlands again, to be honest with you. I haven't downloaded the DLCs, and when the DLC double pack comes out, I might pick it up if I can find it cheap, but I think that they're different enough to make me just not care how Borderlands has done it. I want a sequel to Borderlands to be even better because the concept is good enough to last if they improve and they don't do any stupid crap with the plot like they did. But, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say Mass Effect 2 has changed any perspectives on, on Borderlands for me. Spectrum. That game is all combat. I could not give two shits about the story of Borderlands. It is. Yeah. yeah. Like I, said, I always if, felt that it was a worse game for that reason. Yeah. I mean, it didn't need the story, maybe, but I'd probably be going back to it. If it didn't need it, but they they really heavily emphasized it at the beginning, and then it's a total... It, it really is one of the worst endings I've ever seen in the game just because of how stupid it was, and it makes you feel like an idiot it's, for playing all the way through it. 
It's just like Indigo Prophecy in that sense. Yeah, I, I would have still played through Mass Effect 2 if it had the combat system completely lifted up from Mass Effect 1 um, because it's like, oh, well, the, the shooting and combat's kind of average in my story game. Whereas in a Borderlands type of game, it's like your combat has to be really good for your combat-focused game that has RPGs. To draw one more game comparison, mm-hmm. uh, this has actually gotten me more excited for Heavy Rain. Having played that demo recently, that seems like taking the best parts of Mass oh, yeah. the dialogue. And it actually makes it a bit more action-oriented, where the dialogue is always timed. And so you have so many options, and you can't get through an entire conversation with asking every option like you can in Mass Effect. You have to decide, you have to prioritize yeah. mm-hmm. what like you that. want to inquire about in these conversations, because people will get tired of you asking questions. Just <laughs> like in real life. <laughs> it's the, really the first time, re- the first real-time RPG I think I've ever played. At least it, it feels like one, and it's a really novel concept. Yeah, Heavy Rain. I guess it's an adventure game, but no, you know it, what I mean? It's I, I like, would definitely say it is a role You're playing. playing a role, yeah. Yeah, and it, it all takes place in real time, which is, I think, fascinating. And that's something that role-playing games have become just diluted down into the idea of, well, it has experience points, it has um, magic bar or something, and you can recruit people. It's either fantasy or... It, the idea of an RPG has been terribly uh, kicked around yeah. until it's yeah. not even noticeable, and I definitely think Heavy Rain is an RPG and I'm glad to see the industry changing its tune a little bit, and with the information of Fable 3 from X10... Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Mm-hmm, ...of Molyneux and the Lionhead team taking out experience altogether and getting oh, rid cool. of the health bar, and it makes it more like an FPS where the screen will desaturate whatever you want to call it when you lose health, but they're trying to toy around with the idea of what is role-playing. Role-playing doesn't mean you're playing Final Fantasy, yeah. It means that you're inhabiting a role and you're caring about the conversation, the plot, the characters, the development of that character. So that's why that's why I got really upset about people saying that Mass Effect Two wasn't an RPG after I got through a little bit of yeah. playing it because it's a very deep you one. are playing a fucking role. You're not mm-hmm. doing as much with a skill tree, or you're not doing as much as a traditional JRPG or a traditional Western RPG would, in that we know it. But that's too many people looking at the form and not the goal. Yeah, all those the skill mm-hmm. tree stuff and stats and all that that can be left for the MMOs. That can be for the World of Warcraft crowd if they consider that. An Go RPG. play your Excel with fancy this, graphics if you want that, but that's why, not playing a role. I think you guys should give uh, Alpha Protocol a chance because you are playing more of a role in that game. And what interests me the most about that is that. That rather than the sort of light and dark dichotomy that we're still seeing in Bioware games, the the style you're seeing in Alpha Protocol is actually deciding what type of spy you want to be. Do you want to be the aggressor? Do you want to be the, the suave kind of guy that talks his way through problems? Or do you want to be the kind of guy that just improvises his way through everything? I'll give it another look. I mean, I yeah. I certainly dismissed it, you know, too, too quickly to give it a fair shot. But. I like Obsidian. I've liked their games in the past. They're not the caliber of Bioware, but they don't have to be, and not every developer past, is. And considering that... Like, when they have the chance to develop a full-featured yeah, game totally. with the amount of time they need, they can do a fantastic job. If they're forced to do... Mm-hmm. They're yeah. like Treyarch in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. For Call of Duty. I mean, it's the difference between Call of Duty 3 and World of War. It's like you give them time to put that extra level of polish. I mean, even if they're not on completely on par with Infinity Ward, they come damn near close. The only yeah. other thing I'll say about Alpha Protocol is if they want me and people like me who are somewhat on the fence 
about it, they need to start upping their uh, media exposure if they're planning to actually release the game in a few months, which it doesn't seem like well, they, they will. Well, they decide when it's going to come I, out. Uh, I honestly... It was supposed to be spring, and then it's supposedly <laughs> summer. Yeah, now Just it's supposed like, to be summer. And, and get your marketing shit in order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And isn't New Vegas out this fall? Yeah, and yep. New Vegas is out. I'm excited for so, that just because a lot of the original team members from Black Isle are going to be working on, uh, you know, Obsidian and really Fallout. Cool. But Alpha Protocol is a huge risk for them, and I hope it succeeds. But yeah, they they need to drum up interest for the game if they're going to try to. You can't give Obsidian succeed. too much crap for releasing the game so close together. Because keep in mind, Dragon Age came out like six months before Mass Effect Two. Yeah, but Less than that. Th- considering that Bioware, look how—that's th- something I'm saying in my first paragraph of the review I'm writing for Mass Effect Two—is that it's an achievement for Bioware, but they do have satellite studios. They have their Austin studio, they have their Canada studio. I mean, they're working on the Old Republic right now. They clearly have and also enough New Vegas to is do it, whereas Obsidian. Engine, so it's not like they had to create a new engine for that game. But. Engine aside, it's not like they're just copying and pasting and changing the sliders to make it easy. I, I feel like Obsidian, <laughs> if any developer has problems, they might be running the risk of running into issues by trying to do even two games at once so close back-to-back. Well, Alpha Protocol was supposed but, to even launch back in the fall. I mean, I think at this point, the game's probably close to done. It's probably just bug-fixing, if anything. Yeah. But Mass Effect 2 is great. I think all I want to say is that I was a huge skeptic of Mass Effect 2 after playing Dragon Age, which, as someone who never liked Bioware games before Mass Effect, I well, totally expected to hate Dragon Bioware Age, and, and instead it, it's... ...their idea of what an RPG is in the two completely opposite directions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that they've released two of the best RPGs ever made within three months of each other. They're on totally different ends of the spectrum between traditional and... You know, a new school of thought. They both have incredible amounts of depth and you know risk reward for how you play the character. And I just, I don't know. They're they're now on the same tier as like a, a Valve or a Harmonix in my uh, biased little mind. Just wish they so, could figure out the whole. Just, well, welcome to the crowd. Times have been an, an issue for their games pretty much forever. <laughs> Maybe they should it's develop no the PS3. <laughs> Certainly, yes. Maybe Shepard can smoke a pack of cigarettes for 20 minutes while you install it. No, you'd be watching the go through his perpetual pack of uh, space. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And there, Did every five minutes or so, Charlie Sheen walks up and asks for money. joints because they do not look like they're like manufactured. They look like he rolled them himself. I'm sure. Like mini cigars or something. They're like What's with his eyes? eyes? Uh, when Shepard Somebody, goes renegade, not, his eyes this are is like what, the lucid man's only red, so I'm guessing the lucid man is also kind of like a rebuilt oh. human being. Maybe he's immortal or something. Yeah, some crackpot theory was some crackpot theory was um after somebody beat the game, saying that, well, he wants the Reaper technology so bad. Maybe he's in cahoots with the Reapers and that's why his eyes are mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But I no. That's true. Reapers always give their technology he was sort of like to a John Henry whoever they're trying to seduce. From Fallout Three, where he, maybe he was like a politician on Earth at the time of the first Contact War, and he's just constantly working on himself to maintain a presence in humanity's future. So maybe he's a lot older than we think he is. I, 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 if maybe only, he was actually President Bartlett. Is he in the yeah. comics? I don't remember that guy. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> if, if only he wasn't so elusive, then we might know that. Doesn't bother anybody else. You want it to be elusive? 
Yeah, I- I- elusive has a totally different meaning. All right, whatever. <laughs> I-, I hope they flesh out <laughs> more in three. It doesn't seem like in three you'll really be working for him anymore. No, I- well, if you pissed him off at the end, no. As a paragon, but you kept your ship after the game. Well, how is he going to take it yeah, from you? You're doesn't fucking now? Shipwreck. Okay, this is what I. Yeah, if OnStar can do a vehicle shutoff for a stolen car like that commercial shows, why couldn't he just hit the power button? Well, for you have some pretty impressive engineers, and, and you everybody... get uh, Edie on your side at the end of the game, so maybe she turns that off. Well, I wasn't really contemplating that. But <laughs> thank okay, you for we are so far that. into the territory of rumor and speculation <laughs> and horrible potential fan fiction between. Oh, speaking uh, of like a draft, I was going to say, yeah, the, the oh. Joker little piece you had to do in there was pretty phenomenal, too. Oh, when you're playing as Joker? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a good, nice touch. I really liked mm-hmm. how they, the first time they shift away the uh, control to another character in the series, it's to Joker. And I also like how he's running through the ship going, shit, 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 shit. <laughs> what the shit? It, it, was anybody somewhat surprised by the more copious amounts of cussing in Mass Effect 2. It just kind of came out of nowhere for me. It's not like it bothered me, but no, I don't remember I any of that. I feel there was no verbal option for ten shitloads from Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> That's still one of my favorite lines in the game. One of my favorite lines in the whole game was um, was Joker talking about how if Edie starts talking about being like the vanguard of our destruction, he's shutting it the fuck down. Yeah, which was a reference back to what Sovereign was saying, and uh, when you talk with it, mm-hmm. in Aspect oh, One, yeah. I like his uh, leather seats comment too. Yeah, <laughs> I like the I like the comment that Edie makes about she likes to see humans on their yeah. knees. <laughs> that was a oh, joke. Oh, so shepherd. perfect! That was so perfect. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a lot of impressive uh, celebrity talent in this game, though. Between like the the Battlestar alumni in this, and you got oh, yeah. Adam Baldwin. Oh hell yeah! Yeah. Carry on, Moss. The surprising thing is they're not even necessarily like truly major roles, and they, they never even draw no, attention aside from Martin Sheen. There was no one that they really used to pimp out the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have yeah, a faceless really artificial intelligence. You have a crime boss you barely interact with past you have one some planet. You have C sec. Yeah, you have one C sec <laughs> officer that you do end up dealing with during Thane's mission. But yeah, the, the voice acting was phenomenal and it didn't have to be front and center of these are all Shepard's new squad mates. They made them take roles that made sense and I think that that's a responsible mm-hmm. way of handling it and not just throwing star well power cast. in. Yeah, I think the only thing that really stood out to me and this is because of my own, the way I approached the game was when I found, ran to the Quarian guy who had Terran Loghain's voice I <laughs> from Dragon Age, I was like, oh my god, it's him. Yeah, you mentioned that, and I didn't realize it, and then I went back and played At that part. At least it wasn't as bad yeah. as uh, Karth and Kato. But Dragon Age had... Yeah. Oh man, that oh, guy cannot do any no. other vocal range. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm no voice actor myself, so his work is a thousand times better than anything I could do, but really... I think we know what this, what, what this means for Mass Effect 3. Total uh, cameo appearance by <laughs> Nolan North. I would oh, not man. be surprised. I would, I would unironically like to see Nolan North. Maybe he will else. be. Hey, maybe he will be the alternate protagonist if Shepard dies from two. Oh, that's a good rumor to start. Let's start that rumor. Yeah, let's write that up right now. Boom. Got the scoop. I doubt they can write him as well as Naughty Dog does, though. Oh, ooh, look at you. Uh, Hanar. <laughs> Elcor. Right, yeah, Elcor. <laughs> Greetings, delighted. 
<laughs> be interesting to see a Volus Zerg. <laughs> well, that one that Volus hits high off of the uh, the gases that they have is is hilarious enough. Wow. All right, guys. I think have we uh, any closing comments, or should we uh, consider this game put to bed? Um, game it's, of the uh, year, two thousand ten. <laughs> Uh, I'm just really happy to see such a truly AAA game coming out so early in the year. It's just really been nice to see that we're kind of drawing out the industry as opposed to front or backloading it entirely at the end of the year. Like this definitely seems like the type of game you would see at in right before Christmas. Just like the original. Oh yeah. yeah. Game. I think it's great that they released it when they did. And it's, game it's of the year without anything else. Too, is, it's it's got to send a good message throughout the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so, that was all for pre-order and for end day one sort of sales too. So hopefully it's got the legs. So if you're listening and you do care about supporting AAA games and like Doug said, legs, <laughs> please go buy Bayonetta because it isn't selling as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I second that good, recommendation. Well right it's a genius game. It's brilliant. Oh my God, that's like your legs anyway, reference. Thank you. I I played that pretty well. I am the CZ Garnet of the group, after all. It's your fucking show. <laughs> it's my goddamn show. Alright, guys. Thanks again for, for joining me. It's good to be doing this again. Hopefully we will uh, get around to it again sooner. Oh, we will. 